Hello, welcome back to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Robin Dyke. And with me, as always, my co-host, the Merc Solo, Mike Merkel. I'm here. He's here, ready to go. Kyle, the whale man, missing in action once again, that slacker. Uh, but we're going to we're gonna go on without him. I don't think he can contribute much right now. No, give it uh, two weeks. Yeah, right, when for Michigan when Michigan starts, starts playing. playing right. and then maybe he'll show up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, then, we'll, then we'll definitely be ready to go. Episode 100, right around the corner. Episode 98, we are on, Mike. I can feel it. The tension's building. Got some big stuff planned for episode 100, so I'm really excited for that. But uh, let's just jump right in here. First topic of the day. Uh, we're going to talk Lions. I promised it last week, so we got to get to it, unfortunately. Um, you know, we talked last week before, last, you know, we, we obviously filmed the show on Sundays before any NFL games happen. Um, we said basically this conversation was either going to be somewhat like looking at it like, okay, because they'd be two and two, mm-hmm. or. All right, they're one and three, and they're one and three, right? They blow a fourteen point lead to New Orleans. They've had a lead in like the last like eleven games. They've blown ten of them. It's been a disaster of a start, quite frankly. I, and and not so much the aspect that they're one and three. I think we could have easily said at the beginning of this year before anything happened that they could be one and three, and maybe you wouldn't feel terrible about their chances just mm-hmm. based off of how they may have looked. Mm-hmm. But they've looked terrible. And so, and that's the problem that we're looking at right now. So, Mike, just talk to me about what you're seeing because, for me, you know, I did a lot of trying to convince myself that this defense was going to be better. I thought I did a lot of like, you know, thinking, all right, if it's going to happen, now is the time to happen. And there's some things I want to get into. I want to get into this all this resurgence for Jim Caldwell for for uh, a second as well. I want to get into you know what we think the future of this team is. But just talk to me about what you're seeing from this team or what you're not seeing out of this team because it, it's. I do think it's primarily the defense, but I don't think the offense is necessarily not to blame as well for the way that they've played starting off this year. Yeah, both sides have been. It's been rough. Jack Fox has been their best player, their punter. Like, low key. Like, him and probably Jonah Jackson and Frank Ragnow, the center, and then the rookie guard from Ohio State, have been probably the three best players on this team. Yeah, I mean, Kenny Galladay coming back in three. Yeah, he's 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 been been, helping. He's he's been been, been been the best. Yeah. Player through those two game stretch probably, yeah, right. and they missed the first two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the real problem is on the defensive side. I think oh, the God. offense has been pretty bad, also. Like yeah. they have not been helping their cause Mm-mm. in the slightest. Mm-mm. But their defense, I think the problem is they don't have anything that they're an expertise in on the mm-hmm. defensive side. Like all the good, at least they don't have any athletes. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, like, like all look, the good, te- all the good teams. Yeah, I'm just saying, like the good yeah, teams, not right. the Chiefs and the Ravens and right. like the top tier teams. Like the good teams have one of the three sections that somewhat built out, very right. good in, and right. everything else. Like, all right, we're serviceable and everything else. Right. That's what makes you good at that point right. on the defensive side. The problem with the Lions is that they don't have a pass rush. Their linebackers are unathletic and yes, they're not slow. can't cover anybody. Yeah. And then the secondary, who I thought would be the best by far yeah. this year, has been slacking yeah. and underproducing. And yeah. so with that, I'm like... Well, and I'm going to give the secondary a little bit of a pass. Just a little bit. Not a lot, but just a little bit. I mean, you lose Trufant and Coleman. Coleman hasn't played since the half of week one. You lose Trufant. Trufant, you know, and he, he got hurt again already, right? And that was the big concern going into the season is can he stay healthy? Clearly not so much, right? So you forced Okuda now, who we've seen flashes of good things from, but overall has looked rough, to say the very least. Awarie's looked meh. You know, Dell Roberts has looked meh, right? I think the secondary is put into a position where they're they're out on an island in a lot of regards, right? Like that third down play, um, right before the the next third down with the Saints closed it out, where it was a crossing route to Emmanuel Sanders for like a third and six uh, on Okuda, mm-hmm. and I go, if you'd have just played zone there instead of Okuda having to chase the guy, and you just had somebody drop back into coverage, oh, look at that, he's not wide-ass open anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it is the inability for this team to, quote-unquote, not be the smartest people in the room, like, oh, no, the scheme's going to work. It hasn't worked. It hasn't worked for three years, and now you're looking at this team and you go, you're bottom, I think you're 30th in against the pass, you're third, or you're not 30th against the pass, but, like, I think you're 30th in total scoring, you're 30th against the run, and I think you're, like, 18th against the pass, but which is a miracle because, and you know why you're probably 18th against the pass? Because everyone's running the ball right down your damn throats. So it's like, 
there's nothing good. There's nothing salvageable right now about this defense. You know what I mean? And it's very frustrating because you looked at it and you go, okay, this was supposed to be the time. This was supposed to be the time where we were going to finally see what this whole picture is going to look like. And right now, it looks like garbage. Um, I want to talk about the offense now, too. I don't think Matt Stafford has played particularly well over these first th- four weeks, right? I think I've seen flashes of what it, what he's looked like. I've seen, you know, the throw against Chicago, DeAndre Swift, that was a laser, right? That, that wins the game if he just catches the mother... Oh, I don't, I don't want to swear on this show. We try to make this family friendly. But you know what I mean? Like, there are certain things about it. You look at his stat line and you go, okay, he's nine. he's got nine touchdowns to three interceptions. That's not a terrible stat line for a normal, you know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't look at that and I go, wow, that like, that's, you know... Crazy, yeah. terrible, right? His passing numbers, he's over a 1,000 yards, I think. His completion percentage, I think, is right around 60%. I could be a little bit off on that. But point being is that number-wise, it doesn't look terrible. But you can see the throws. You got a stats right on, don't you? If that is the stats yeah, yeah. right now? I got to do some math on it. Okay. So 60%, 60% right? Exactly. So he's completing 60% of his passes. He's got a 3-to-1 touchdown interception ratio. He's got over a 1,000 yards passing over the quarter. He's on pace to throw for... You know, 36 touchdowns, and what you know what I mean? So all the numbers look fine. Uh, the completion percentage obviously could be higher. But, it, uh, you know, you're looking at it and you go, that throw, uh, you know, to Hawkinson in the end zone. He underthrows it by three by three yards. And you go, dude, you, like that can't happen. You know, he's missing throws. The throw to Jesse James that Jesse James just came down with, I'm like, what, why? Mm-hmm. Why is that the decision? I feel like he doesn't – I feel like he's – He's nervous back there, mm-hmm. or he's trying to. I don't know if it's a, and maybe this is just the homer in me because I'm a Stafford guy, but I feel like they're trying. He's trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's forcing it and he's forcing the issue to another level that I haven't seen him do before, and it's not working. Like I feel like they're they're not doing things. You know, like last year you saw there was there was people open last year. You know what I mean? You, you look at you know. Going back and looking, I'm just talking about the Saints game in particular, just because I did some film study on this. And you got you got four Lions receivers, and they're both there's two in the same spots outside the sticks, outside the hashes, and there's nobody in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. And you're wondering where these windows are, and I'm like, geez. So it's like the the play calling's not helping him, but he has not played well. And I think that for somebody like me, who has been a pretty big Stafford defender over the years, to come out and say that he has not looked good in these first four weeks is telling because he doesn't look right. I, you're the resident quarterback of the group here. What are you seeing out of him? Because I just don't think he is confident that like like I feel like they're they're in the mindset of we have to put up forty or there's no way we win football games right now and I feel like they're pressing so hard mm-hmm. on some of these throws like I like I don't he's making decisions that I don't know why where they're coming from anymore yeah. I think I think the problem that you see in him is one I think he is trying to do too much but I think two I think the play calling has helped like no. you said but no. I think it, it hinders yeah. because. They go up by so much so early, and then when, they and then they let off. Yeah, and they let off, Ugh. and once you the second you let off, you can't go back on at no. the same pace. No, where I think when you saw previous teams, even like the Caldwell teams, yeah. they never started strong, no. but they always got into rhythm right. in the third and fourth quarter, right. which could help them come back to win games. That's right. why he had. Well, that's what they court. did against Arizona. They didn't yeah. start out on this blazing fast start against Arizona. Yeah. It was a close game throughout. The defense played relatively well. I'm going to put that in big air quotes because they still didn't play good, but they played, they created turnovers. That's the difference. But, um, but the offense did enough where it was like, we're just going to keep the same kind of pace, big third down conversions, you know, and a big drive at the end where they needed it to win the game where you see it where it's like on even, they had a chance to win that Saints game last week. If they didn't just go, all right, we're going to go run, run, pass. I go, when you're always in third and seven, it's pretty hard for you to consistently convert that, you know? And I know Adrian Peterson has been a pleasant surprise at times, but at the same time, Adrian Peterson is not the solution to your running back problems. Like, let's be honest with ourselves. So there's some confusing personnel groupings. Will Harris getting majority of snaps the first two weeks over Tracy Walker is beyond maddening, right? Like, this coaching staff, and by result, this entire hierarchy that the Lions have right now is not putting them in the best position to win mm-hmm. football games right now. And at the end of the day, I think that has been their their number one factor is I think that Patricia and to an extension Bob Quinn are are are, are I think should be accused of trying to be the quote unquote smartest man in the room. Mm-hmm. Like I know better. 
you know, I know this. I made that call in the Super Bowl to win that game. I go, really? Because if they just run it up the gut, they probably win the game. Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about that right now. And to say these things that they're coming out with, you know, like, you know, well, there's a lot of work to be done. Okay, great. Yeah, there may have been work to be done, but you've not even come close to what we were, right? Um, Which leads me to this Caldwell talk. I want to talk about this real fast because I think there's a bit of a misconception going around Detroit right now that I think needs to be cleared up. Um, Jim Caldwell right, was a good, above-average coach for the Detroit Lions, right? Historically, he's one of the best coaches we've ever had, okay? No no doubt about that. However, that is not the reason why Jim Caldwell was fired, okay? Let's let's look at the context of, let's let's not look at what's happened. Let's look at the context of when he was fired. He was fired because they said quote unquote 9 and 7 wasn't good enough which means that they could they could say hey we have a roster built that is going 9 and 7 that somehow sometimes squeaks into the playoffs right and then gets fucking sorry gets absolutely axe murdered usually in the playoffs right we saw that in the Seattle year right where they looked completely like they, they didn't belong in yes. that game right so by de facto, they letting them letting Jim Caldwell go was that was the Lions organization doing something they've never done, where they said nine and seven is not good enough. We are trying to win a championship. Okay, now I will then say I'm not going to fault the organization because they fired Jim Caldwell because they're trying to win a championship because they did not feel that Jim Caldwell was able to get there to the Super Bowl. That is what we're all about here, guys. Is that we're trying to get to a Super Bowl. However, I can then also say that they hired the wrong guy. And I think, Mike, I don't know if you agree with me on this, but I think that's where the sentiment lies. It's not so much the fact... I think people are looking at the Jim Caldwell era with rose-colored glasses because they were above competent, mm-hmm. right? But they weren't winning the games that were going to get us to where Green Bay is, where Seattle is, where San Francisco is, right? So I'm not mad at the organization for firing Jim Caldwell and attempting to get to a, a somewhere further than that to get to a Super Bowl but I but then I can also say that it didn't work and that they need to start over and that they need to get somebody else in here because clearly this is not working. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, I I said that like 2 3 weeks ago yeah. where I think you were in a position where you could either be 9 and 7 every single year right. or you can fire him and take the 50-50 shot, shot exactly. of going 13 and 3 or 5 and exactly. 12 or whatever the next Three years, and you flip the coin, and it just came up the wrong end where you're just on the wrong side of it, and you're going five and seven. It'd be a bunch, you know, this would be a different conversation if Matt Patricia was succeeding, and we were 11, 5, 12, and 4 the last three years. And now it's, why can't we get over the hump? Yeah, yeah, and then it was, not even that, if we even won playoff games or whatever, and it's like, wow, Jim Caldwell was that bad. Like, now we're looking at, like, Jim Caldwell was good because you're here below him yes. but if we were above him then you go yeah Jim Cole really wasn't yeah it was a really guy. great decision like, to let him go like that's that's why I guess the, that's my point though right is that we can't look back and go wow like it's like saying wow Wayne Fonts was a great coach Wayne Fonts was not a great coach he just had a good team underneath him you know what I mean like there's there's things about it where you just go you can't you can't do that. You can't go back in hindsight and say, well, if we had Jim Caldwell, we'd be better. We probably would be better. No be doubt ni- about we'd it. Be we'd be seven. nine and seven. We'd be eight and eight, and we'd be if we would be making the playoffs, you know we'd be getting killed by Seattle. We'd be getting killed by Green Bay again. We'd be losing the big games that you're supposed to win when you're supposed to be a good team. The Lions were an above average team, and I know for Detroit, it's one of those things where the Lions have been so bad for so long. I think people are just like, We're not the worst. But if you're the Lions organization, you have to take the chance to say, hey, we're building something. Mm-hmm. Let's t- let's go now. And it's like, hey, this guy got us here. Now we need to go and we need to take the next step. And we need to try to get to the point where we can have a successful coach like a Doug Peterson or a, a Pete Carroll or an Andy Reid. We need to go find our guy like that so we can make this run while we still have a quarterback who can potentially get us to that point. Right? It's the two things you need. You need some sort of relevant good coach, and you need a quarterback to win this league. It's it's a fact. So I'm not going to ding the organization for firing Jim Caldwell with the with the mandate that we can be better and we, we're going to get better. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that, okay, now that we've regressed, I can say they hired the wrong guy, and they need to get him, they need to get him out. You know what I mean? I just thought the need to be addressed because I think Lions fans, in a lot of regards, are like, they're looking at that time. They're like, "Oh God! Remember that year we went nine and seven? I go, "Yeah, we went nine and seven with seven fourth quarter comebacks." 
You know what I mean? Like some of that, there's a regression to the mean there. There's something that you can't reproduce that all the time. So as much as I want Patricia to be gone, and I think he will be, I don't expect him to be fired in the middle of the season. If he does, it's probably if they lose to like Jacksonville, the Giants, and like if, if this team completely tanks out and we go 1-15 or something crazy, then I think they'll, he'll be fired before then. But I anticipate he'll be fired at the end of the year along with Bob Quinn because that's where... You know, you can't hire anybody now anyway, mm-hmm. right? So, like, there's that. And we'll if, and if he does get fired, which he should, then we'll talk coaching hires and all that stuff at that point. I don't need to go down that road just yet. So, um, that's where the status of this team is. The sad part is, with the way this schedule is looking, Mike, you could be looking and they could be 3-3 three and three after two more weeks. Mm-hmm. That's Honestly, that's where this schedule is at right now. They don't play anybody worth a damn until they probably play, I'll say, what, maybe Carolina? On their schedule, well, they play the Colts in three weeks. Oh yeah, okay, so right, so they play. They, who do they play next? They got Jacksonville, Jacksonville and Atlanta. Those are both bad football teams. Yep. They play the Colts. That that's probably that could be a loss for sure. And at Minnesota, that could be a loss. But then you play Washington. Washington's not good. Carolina's, I think, average. Houston's terrible right now. Chicago is playing well, but I don't think they're legit. I think you can beat Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then you play Green Bay. That's probably an L. Tennessee's good. Tampa's good. Like. There's some there's some opportunity here where they could easily be seven and nine I think and yeah, you go if you really you know if you really try to play it out that way so but once again the mandate is playoffs or bust and they're not going to make playoffs and one and three it ain't happening like if there's has to be so many things to go right even with a crappy NFC I don't see it happening so that's where they're at right now so you want to see the status of the Lions that's where they're at they're a bad football team with their best players not playing very well that's the reality of it we went into the season thinking the defense just needed to be above awful and they're not even above awful and this offense needed to be top 10 that's where they needed to be in order to be successful this year and neither is happening they're not scoring in the red zone they're not keeping people out of the end zone they're not doing anything really all that well right now let's be honest with ourselves so until that changes which i don't think it will under this current regime it is what it is and we're going to be looking to next year and hopefully hopefully they don't do anything too stupid until then that's really that's really the goal um yeah, all right. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk wings here now. Um, we got a lot of stuff to go over this week, guys. We're gonna talk some wings here in a second. Then we're also gonna be talking some ALD, ALCS, and uh, NLCS action as well, and some storylines going into that. And obviously, we got NXT Takeover to talk about as well. But let's talk about the Red Wings here. Free agency just opened up. We have the draft. I'm not gonna get into the Red Wings draft. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't think a lot of people know who a lot of these guys are when they get drafted. They don't see. The, it's not like. We got Sidney Crosby coming in the door yeah. right now. You know what I mean? We don't have a Connor McDavid. Um, the Wings didn't have the first over pick like they should have anyway. Um, but the Wings have made out, went, come out and made a lot of moves for free agency, right? Um, I think the biggest one was probably Bobby Ryan from uh, Ottawa, the Senators, right? He's a, he's a veteran guy coming in on a one-year deal. Um, there's been a lot of these short-term, you know, one, two-year deals, Mike. Um, and a lot of people in Detroit and in the hockey world are really excited about what Stevie I, Stevie Y is doing. Talk to me, Mike, about what you're thinking about what this team is going to look like here this upcoming season and for the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I think I have some optimism going in that they're yeah. not going to be the worst team by a long shot in hockey, at least. I think they'll still not be a good team, no. but you're adding a lot of good veteran leadership to this team. Mm-hmm. Um, you're getting another... Uh, you would just add a goalie to your team. You got yep. a couple of good defensemen to your yep. team. Yep. Um, so I think the team will be improved from last year. And I think that the best case scenario that you can look into it is either one, that these players can just, you can't ball out in hockey. <laughs> puck out. Puck out. Puck, puck out, out <laughs> in hockey. Um, they can puck out for you guys. And yep. um, for the Red Wings. Yep. Or if they're good enough, they can you can flip them for picks. So right. I think it's either you play well and you keep them for the one or two year deal, or you right. can they play good or or they play above where you think they're gonna play, right. and then you flip them. You get oh here's a second round pick, here's right. a third round pick, and you can take those extra shots at the dartboard. Yep. Hopefully you can get a third round pick that's like oh that's the next Sidney Crosby in the third right. round or right. something. You right, you, you look at it. They signed Thomas Grice, Grace. I don't know how to pronounce his last name from New York. 
Um, you know, he's going to compete with Bernier for the for the goalie spot. They've got two guys under contract right now in the goaltending spot for under $6.6 million, where if you're paying a top-tier goalie, you're probably paying that for one guy. So they're doing some things really well with their with their salary cap. They signed Troy Stecker um, from the Canucks. He's a defenseman there for two years as well. You're going to have 10 for unrestricted free agents next year, possibly, for the Wings, right? So lots of cap flexibility. They've still left enough cap available right now where they can either go and sign maybe a bigger name or they can then take on maybe, quote-unquote, maybe a bad contract or two mm-hmm. where basically you're buying a pick, right? So you look at this team and you go, all right, you know, there's some things about it where, like you said, Mike, it's either they're either going to make a, a solid kind of core where it's like, okay, we're going to use these guys to build up where the young guys are going to get to, or B, they're going to play just well enough where we're going to flip these guys quickly mm-hmm. to get to get more assets right and to get and to get more um to get more picks to allow the cap space to be a thing because at the end of the day that's that's the reality of it right and i'm reading a tweet here and i think it's perfect it's the ultimate excess of eiserman's moves today or the last couple of days should be judged at the 2021 and 22 trade deadlines high potential for flipping guys that you just signed and the wings are going to try and take advantage of that right where i think i think eiserman is doing such a great job of getting guys here because honestly, if you're a free agent, right, of any sort of relative level of competence, mm-hmm. you're not you're not going to Detroit. Like, yeah. let's be real, right? You're, you're coming off a 17 win team uh, year. That's there's no high confidence level for yeah. your, if you're a guy coming here, right? But at the same time, when you got Steve Eisman calling and say, "Listen, hey." Here's the here's what the plan is, right? And here's what we're trying to accomplish. And when you're calling guys like Dylan Larkin, like Bobby Ryan called Dylan Larkin, was like, "Hey, are you guys like competent with losing? Like, are you guys okay with losing?" Because like he's like basically he's like he said some teams, right? When you lose as much as the Wings have, mm-hmm. teams just get used to it, and you're just kind of like, "Okay, we're just gonna this is what it is," right? And Larkin said. I wouldn't be calling you right now, and I wouldn't be talking to you if that was the case, yeah. right? And it's like, there's nobody in this locker room right now. And he's like, they would have fired the coach already if that's what happened, mm-hmm. right? And, and so, and I, I still think he's going to get fired at some point. But point being is that um, you're looking at this team, and if there is some sort of optimism, right, it's the fact that there's clearly a plan. Mm-hmm. Eisenman has a very unique plan for what's going on with this, right? These signings aren't coming out of nowhere. They're not going out and blowing the wad in free agency. It's the first time they've had any real cap room in a long time. Um, they're getting rid of guys, right? They're getting rid of uh, who did they just get rid of? They got rid of um, Erickson. They got rid of some of these other guys where they're just kind of hanging around. So they're reshuffling this roster. They're getting out of some bad contracts, and they're really starting to. I think is now you're going to start to slowly but surely see as as these free agencies and these trade deadlines come across, you're going to see the plan. And if you want to look at what that plan looks like at the end, look at Tampa Bay. Because that's 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 at the end of the day, that's Eisenman's work for the most part, right? So that's that's the that's the goal at the end of this is that if we look like Tampa Bay does in five years from now, everyone's gonna be like, man, remember we were terrible, but now look at right, like we're we're back and we're rolling, right? So you got to have confidence in the plan. We're only really in phase one of this plan, quite frankly, right? He's only been here for a couple drafts, so it's like you got to give it some time. But I think as we continue to grow here, I think you're gonna see. I think you're going to see a better Red Wings team than yeah. we have in the last couple of years. It, it, long story short. So I'm really excited for that. And if you're a Red Wings fan, you should be as well. All right. After the break, we're going to talk some baseball action, ALCS, NLCS Championship Series. The Yankees are out. <laughs> you suck still, no matter how much money you pay. And then we're also going to be talking some NXT TakeOver as well in Part 2. I'm um, really looking forward to it. Stick around. Hey guys, the Mouth Michigan, Robin Dyke here. Just reminding you that episode 100 is right around the corner. Me, Mike, Kyle, and the entire I'm Always Right Sports Podcast crew is extremely excited for episode 100. we got a lot of stuff planned for you guys that week. Uh, we really appreciate all of the support for this past 98 episodes. I can't believe I'm even saying that. We really appreciate it. Keep supporting us. Keep sharing out all of our great content. We really appreciate it. If you guys have any topics that we haven't talked about in a while or for something that you guys want to, let us know at I'mAlwaysRightPC.com. Uh, fill out the contact page. Let us know. Be like, hey, you guys haven't talked about the Red Wings in a long time. Or, hey, you're not talking Tigers. and We want more Tigers talk. Let us know. We'll work it into the show for sure. We'll give you guys a shout out if we take your suggestion under advisement. Once again, we really appreciate all the support you guys have given us over this first 98 episodes. We hope to see you guys there for the big episode 100 here in a couple weeks thank you so much once again for all the support now here's part two of episode 98 
And welcome back to part two of episode 98 here of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. Let's jump right in here, Mike. Let's talk some baseball action here, man. We haven't talked a lot of baseball um, since the Tigers season ended, um, for honestly, for good reason. I mean, what's what's really the, really the thought there, right? Um, but we got the Houston Astros versus the Tampa Bay Rays, and we've got the Atlanta Braves versus... The LA Dodgers, right? So there's a, there's a couple things I want to talk about here. Give every team a little bit of spotlight. First off, big hats off to the Tampa Bay Rays coming back, knocking off the Yankees, the powerhouse. Everybody thought that you might as well put the ring already on their finger. They got everybody. Name a guy who's probably on the Yankees right now of any sort of relevance, and they knock him out again. I mean, it feels like it's been a long time since the Yankees been in the World Series, and that's a great feeling for everybody involved. So I'm glad they knocked those guys off. Um, they're playing the Astros. Um, you know that we we talked about the scandal and, and the cheating and this and that and everything else, but they're right back here again in the ALCS, right? I mean, talk to me like if the Astros somehow get back to the World Series, right? Does that kind of put any kind of damper on the people like, well, you cheated and you don't deserve to be cheated? Like, I I don't necessarily disagree with that, but at the same time, they're they're doing it again, and this is still a very good baseball team, and you're missing Justin Verlander too, by the way. Yeah, um, I. I'm, like, mixed on it only because of, one, the season that they had to do with the the 60 games. It's kind of like, I mean, they won 29 games and you're making the playoffs. Like, I'm like, that's (laughs) kind of pushing it. And, two, I'm trying to... I don't think they would have made the playoffs. Yeah, they're the last team to make the playoffs. Yeah. And since since they expanded it, that's the only reason they're they're in. in Right. they're the eight-seeded team in there. So I kind of look at that and I'm like, man, like... Yeah. I, I'm like good, good for them. Like maybe they they are showing. I mean, they're doing with what they got, right. and without Verlander, they're really pushing towards. And I think they have a really good chance of making the World Series. But this Tampa Bay team is very, very good. Yeah. So I don't know if they're gonna mm-hmm. be able to get through them. But man, it's just been. I don't think it would redeem anything because of how the season, how how how, how they been. got there. Yeah, sixty else, right. sixty wins as the eight seed, just sneaking in and yeah. kind of upsetting people. I just don't look at it. Like, yeah. I, I think it's very interesting because I do think that a lot of Houston Astro fans would be like, honestly like if we we were talking about the Lions in part one if, if the Lions got caught cheating after they won a Super Bowl guess how many cares I would have zero <laughs> like no offense but like I would like I wouldn't care I'd be like whatever they got it um, but especially now that they're getting back there you know especially if we see a Dodgers Astros rematch somehow I think that would be. Like I don't want to say best case scenario because I, I personally would like to see a Braves raise just because it's like name two random teams and mm-hmm. put them in the World Series because I think that'd be funny. But if we do see a Dodgers Astros rematch again, I'd be very interested to see how that series plays out because of the amount of tension, the heat that is involved with that kind of matchup. Right? I think it would be, you know, for for the fact that sports in general, you know, uh, ratings are down and stuff like that. I think that's probably the one matchup that people would go, oh, all right, we get to yeah. see it again. You know. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Dodgers, though, they're no they're no stranger to this area, right, of the playoffs. They've been in the World Series a couple times. They keep choking it away every year. You know, Clayton Kershaw still looking for that first championship. I mean, is this kind of a make-or-break time? I mean, I know we're in a weird season, and this is kind of a, a you know, it's like a – it's a shortened season, I guess is the best way. But I don't know. That, there's no real good adjective to describe. But it's been weird, right? Mm-hmm. But is this the year that finally the Dodgers kind of get over the hump and get there? Um, I think there's a very strong possibility. I think with the not having to play 162, only having to play 60, mm-hmm. everyone's way more fresh and mm-hmm. ready to go for this playoff run. Absolutely. And you've seen it as people have had like no hitters through this playoff run and stuff yeah. because right, they haven't sure. had to play 40 games before this. They've only had to play eight games before this. Right. Uh, uh, LA this has not time. lost has not lost a game in this playoffs. They swept uh, the Brewers 2-0 and then they slept San Diego 3-0. Yeah, so they so, haven't lost a game So yet. they're hot. The and pl- neither has Atlanta, by the way. I was going to say, the Braves have also been very hot, though. Yeah. They, they've gone through their... their yeah, they beat their Cincinnati in the, in the wild card and then they beat the Marlins 3-0 as well. So both yeah. of these teams have not lost since the playoffs have started. Yeah, so I think it's... I think I think that's the series to watch if you're going to watch one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Astros' Rays could go one way very hard mm-hmm. on either way, mm-hmm. but I think yeah, I, I would I would put money that the Dodgers would win, but mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people might think it would be. I think yeah. people are going to be like, oh, it's the Dodgers, so they're probably going to 
right. sweet five right. game it, but I think the Braves are good. So yeah, I well so, and so. and if you're a Tigers fan, I think the Braves are the best team to be looking at because the Braves just even a few years ago, right, were not a very good baseball team, and now look where they're at. They're in the NLCS. They're fighting for a World Series position, and. You know, this is kind of the rebuild that you're kind of hoping to have if you're a Tigers fan, right? Is that you, you know, you tank long enough where you, you hit on a couple picks, you're young enough where you get there, you're able then, once you have your core of these younger guys that you can rely upon, is then you go out and you go grab a number one guy here. We're going to go grab this guy here. Mm-hmm. We're going to grab a Dallas Keuchel or this guy or that guy or whoever, you know, that they, you know, that they've tried or they did have at one point or whatever like that. Like, same thing with the Astros, quite frankly, or the Cubs, you know. The Cubs, all right, we've got a good core of guys here right now. We're going to go get Araldis Chapman for this playoff run, right? We're going to go get, name a guy here. We're going to go get a U Darvish or a this guy or that, whatever the case may be. We, you know that's where if you're the if you're the Tigers you want to see the Braves succeed because that's the kind of trajectory that you're hoping to be on here in a couple years where you have your number one guy your number two guy your number three guy but now we're gonna go sign to a big free agent a Casey Hayward or this or what whatever the case may be so that's the kind of thing that you want to see if you're a Tigers fan for sure give me your prediction Mike who gets there who gets the nod who what's our World Series matchup and who is our World Series champion in this. Dilapidated oh, season. Dilapidated. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go Dodgers Astros. Okay, because I think that would be the best series. Oh my gosh! And I think the frothing at the mouth. Yeah, I think if, you're, the if you're into if you're into any kind of like storyline, storyline, anything, I think that's the storyline that sure. everyone's going to want to For see sure. and everything. Yeah. And I think if you want baseball ratings to have any chance to go up, mm-hmm. I think that's the rating that you can get. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pick the Dodgers to win because I think they're going to. You think it's about time? Yeah, they're just going to ball out against Ash. They're going to be like, yeah, when you don't cheat, we can beat you. <laughs> real quick here on the Yankees. I just want to just touch on this real fast yeah. just because I like to sit in their misery. Um, you know, this is another year, right? They signed Garrett Cole. they got Gene Carlos Stanton. They've got Aaron Judd. I mean, you got you got all these guys, right? Mm-hmm. And yet, once again, they're falling short of even not just the championship series, but the World Series as well. Um if you're if you're the Yankees, like is, is it time to maybe start thinking of a different model, or because you've got thirty World Series wins under your belt that you're just going to keep going the same way? Because like clearly it's not working. Like yeah. let's be real, they they've, they've choked in the playoffs a lot. You know, I mean, yeah. as, as Tigers fans, now the last time the Tigers were relevant, we were spanking the Yankees in four games. So mm-hmm. it's like you look at it and you go, clearly something isn't working right yeah. now. I, I think I think partially it's pitching, quite frankly, but yeah, it's part pitching. It's also I think I think we see it in other sports too is when. I guess outside of basketball, but basketball yeah. is so different than anything else. Yeah, that a, when it's you, an albatross. Yeah, it's, it's an albatross uh, sport, really. But like, I guess in football, when you see these, like like the Rams two years ago, yeah. when you just build in all these massive players for like a one-year one year yeah. run, yeah. even though the Yankees can pay these people for multi-years, right. but when you get all these massive uh, players on one team, usually it doesn't work very well. It's the teams that are built from the ground up that have the, like, the relationship together, and yeah. they... They've been working together for yeah, a long the long term success. Like, it's like the long term success over, okay, we're just going to pay Garrett Cole a lot of money because you're a good pitcher. Right. But like he doesn't work in New York as well as he did in the Astros or whatever. Right. Exactly. Like it's just, it, it's like it happens in most sports outside of basketball because basketball you just build a yep. super team and win. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. For the most part. Very much so. Pretty, yeah. Yeah. If you want to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in baseball and like football and even in hockey, you can just build up talent. But at that point, I don't think you normally win. Usually, it's the teams right. that are built for right. The it's for whatever out. reason it is the teams a lot of times, right? Like the ba- like you know, it, you'll see once again, you'll see teams like the Cubs did it, you know, the Astros did it, where they'll go sign a guy or two, or they'll make a big yeah. trade for some guy to get them over the top. But the core of the team is remains the same yeah. regardless, right? Yeah. So I think that's the big key here is that the Yankees. I feel like at times it's like either you have Gene Carlos Stanton or you've got name like Austin Jackson in, in the outfield. You know what I mean? Like you've got one extreme or the other, and you don't have anything in between. You know what I mean? For that kind yeah. of thing. So just interesting to see the, the, the difference, you know, from like a, maybe an Oakland A's team compared to the Yankees where the, the payrolls are so drastically different and everybody else is just kind of like, meh, you know, it is what it is, yada, yada, yada. So mm-hmm. interesting enough, Let's you know, it's fun to keep an eye on, and it's also just funny to see all the money they spend for absolutely nothing. It's all good stuff. Um, all right, let's jump in here. NXT TakeOver 31. Um, I'd like to say that a lot of stuff happened, but 
I'd be lying. So would be we'll, lying. we'll go through it here. Like you know, overall thoughts on the show. Um, no titles changed hands. Um, I thought at least one would. I thought the cruiserweight maybe for sure would, but nope. Um, uh, you, you know, you got some storylines with the Ridge Holland Adam Cole thing, which completely has been thrown out the window because Ridge Holland just blew his leg up uh, last week on NXT. So you don't really have any residuals from the show either, quite yeah. frankly. Um, give me your overall grade on the show before we go match by match here. Um, well, I thought this was the best pure um, takeover of the COVID era. Okay. Like, I think from match to yeah. match perspective, I yeah. think it was the best. I think you can argue takeover 30 because, like, like you had a new North American champ. You you crown or uh, Carrion won before he had to relinquish the right. NFC title. Right. Like, stuff happened. Yeah, McAfee was McAfee amazing. McAfee was amazing, and you right. didn't really expect it. So, like, yeah. you could look at that card and be like, stuff happened, and it was yeah. probably a more complete card. Yeah. But I think the match quality... In ring-wise. Um, like, yeah. in ring-wise for 31. Like, I think Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly, before we actually talk about it, was, like, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I think every, like, second of it was great. So, I think that was just, like, match The problem match. is that I think some people look at it and you go, it was great, but, like, you always had the back of the mind, like, I know... O'Reilly really doesn't have a shot. Yeah, he's never going to win it, yeah. but it's just a great match to watch kind right, of thing. For sure. So, I, And I think that for most of these matches where I was like, probably won't change hands, yeah. but it's just a really good match to watch. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I'm going to give it a B-. B-? Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, I think the fact that I just, you know, for me, similar to, similar to AEW, and I criticized AEW for this last week, so I'll do the same thing for NXT in the sense that, like, you don't have a takeover every month. Now, apparently we're going to have one next month, or this month for Halloween Havoc. But um, No, this is going to be the TV show. Is it a TV? Yeah, oh, like, it is? Yeah. Oh, never mind then. But regardless, right, you're going to see, you see these, um, you get a takeover once every couple months, you get an AEW paper every couple months. I need to see things progress mm-hmm. on these shows, right? And I don't, I feel like sometimes they're just kind of thrown together and it's like, okay, cool, like this is going to be the card. And, and from a match quality perspective, I 100% agree with you, right? Like I thought... You know, the first match on this card, Damian Priest Gargano, was phenomenal. I, re- I really enjoyed it. I was honestly like, oh, Gargano's got a shot at winning this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that match. However, right, when you don't have a build to it, and two, when nothing, you know, you don't see a title change, we don't see something out of it, it just felt, it, it, it kind of feels flat, like a, like a bad taste in your mouth at the end of it because you're like, all right, but nothing's, we could have went to next week's NXT show not had this card, and mm-hmm. everything's exactly the same, and I didn't miss anything. Yeah, You know what I mean? So I think that's the biggest problem. But I would say that. I think B-minus is fair. C-plus for me probably just because, like I said, I need to see things progress. We need to continue to... I don't need title change for the sake of title change, and I don't need things to be wrapped up super fast. But if you're going to continue to tell the story, tell the story. But nothing nothing's told in, mm-hmm. in this regard. So um, speaking of that, though, let's talk about this Damian Priest-Gargano match. I think that was the first one on the card, right? Yeah. Um, Damien Priest retains, obviously. Um, but, you know, this match to me I thought was fantastic. I think Gargano did exactly what he was trying to do. I think they love Damien Priest. I really do. I think he's going to be a big star for NXT. Yeah. And I think he's one of the few guys that I think could make the, the transition over to the main roster. He's a big dude. Got explosive arsenal. Um, they don't force him to talk a ton. You know, when he does, it's impactful. Um, and I don't think like the, the character is anything too crazy where they would need to change it. Plus, he's kind of like that tweener baby face. Yeah, he can roll on either, either one side, if he needs to, really. and it works. You mm-hmm. know, and he doesn't have to do a whole lot. I think that's the big problem with Keith Lee. Is Keith Lee, in a, in some regards, doesn't know how to be cool. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know what. I, and I'm not the biggest Keith Lee guy. I'll admit that. But like, I I don't know if you felt the same thing. But I think sometimes when when you make the move up to the main roster you lose something. Like, mm-hmm. Keith Lee's biggest thing was, like, he's just, you can't stop him. You know what I mean? Like, he's just unstoppable force. But, like, as soon as he got to the main roster, I don't feel that anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think Damian Priest has a character where he can do that. He can just be that super cool, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to live forever thing, and it, and it works. Oh, so, yeah, I 100% agree. Yeah. Wish Gargano would get called up to the main roster, though. Like, it's it's bugging me out a little bit. But yeah, the, can, dra- the draft is... The draft is rough. We're going to talk about the draft here in a second, but let's continue on. Alright, uh, so next we had Kushida beating Velveteen Dream in 13 minutes exactly. Exactly? Exactly. I, I thought this match was fine. I didn't think anything was like stand out about it. I do like the fact that they're giving Kushida, though, a bit of an edge. Like, he's mm-hmm. not just like this 
happy to be here guy anymore. Yeah. Like he's you know he's a little more aggressive. We saw it in NXT the next week him against Champa. You know he looked really good against Champa. He had an edge to him. He's more aggressive. Mm-hmm. That's I think what he's gonna need in order to survive because right now his NXT run has been underwhelming to say the very least. Yeah, I think she is really dying from not having. A cruiserweight, like a true cruiserweight true, division, yeah, yeah like a, a thought out, like like a, not a New Japan, like how they have their own yeah. like division of it, like it's just kind of mixed in with everyone else, kind yeah. of right now, and you don't really know who's cruiserweight and like what show they're on and what they're doing. So, and he's not even on two hundred five live. No, I don't he's think. not. So no, it's weird. He's just an NXT guy who is a cruiserweight that could challenge for the cruiserweight title. Or the North American, but he's not. Like, he's in a weird spot because he never, even in New Japan, he never was, like, he never drifted over into the heavyweights. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, you look at Finn. Finn, as junior heavyweight champion, was facing Tanahashi for the world title. Like, you know, uh, Osprey has made the full transition now fully to heavyweight. Uh, Shingo, Saint Abushi, all these all these major players in the junior division at some point have made the transition. He never did. Yeah, you know what I mean? He was always a junior. He was never going to be that big dude. Was, you know, so I think he's really hurting with not having similar people like that. Yeah. Uh, so next we had Santos Escobar beating Isaiah Scott in 15 minutes and 19 seconds. Thought it was a fine match. A little too much interference. Thought Swerve would get the win here. Mm-hmm. Um... I, I, I don't I don't have a problem with Santos Escobar. I get the whole I get the thing about it, but at the same time, the cruiserweight title means less than nothing yeah, right now, which is unfortunate, quite frankly. Yeah, I don't. I actually missed this one. Yeah. And after I saw the result, and it didn't change hands, I didn't really go back to watch it. Right. Yeah. So it, it was one of those things where like you, I thought he was gonna lose it, and I'm like, all right, cool, we're gonna get like you know some new stuff. And eh, it's just man. Yeah. Uh, so we had Iro Shirai beating Candice LeRae in 16 minutes and 43 seconds. And I thought this one was actually really good. I really Honestly, enjoyed it. for the North American, the women's, and the world title, I think we're better uh, like here yeah. than the last two cards even. Yeah. I think these the match quality was really good for all three of them. I was on the edge of my seat for this match. Loki. Yeah, I really legitimately good. was. Like I thought when Candace hit her with the title, mm-hmm. I was like, Alright, cool. At least Candace is winning it tonight. This is awesome. We're gonna roll on to it and, and they didn't do it, which I thought kinda sucked. Mm-hmm. Um I was really in Candace's corner for this match. Um not that I have anything wrong with Yoshirai, I just I am a big Candace LeRae guy, so I like I'm 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 really in in that camp. So I really enjoyed this match. So perfect amount of false finishes to make you feel like everything's working. It you know it didn't make Candace look bad in the sense that she hit the stepsister move or whatever she has. Mm-hmm. She had the she had the win mm-hmm. right. Referees out, so it's like I could have had it. So at any time they can reinterject her back into the main to the title picture, which they're not going to right now, which is a little annoying. Um, but I, I was I was very happy with this match. Yeah, yeah, and to go off what happened on NXT, or actually yeah. it was right after this match, having Tony Storm and uh, uh, Ember Moon, Moon come back. Yeah. With Rhea Ripley still there, yeah, you got a lot of people. Now it just added a whole bunch of people, so now Candice will probably get like the yeah. the back door of, like, she's probably in the bottom of those three or four people. Yeah. But I do see where you can kind of revisit at any time if Ember Moon is in another thing with somebody yeah. else or someone's doing a tag team thing or something. It's like, hey, yeah. we need somebody. We can have her come back. So it's Ember nice. Moon, I will say this, though. Did you see her promo on NXT? Mm-mm. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, okay. so bad. She's so bad. She's, like, she's she can't, t- she can't talk. It was bad. I was like, oh, they're, like, letting her go. Mm-hmm. And it was... It was rough. It was not good. <laughs> it was not very good. But the, I will say this, though. The NXT women's division is one of the best cultivated p- divisions that they've ever done. Like, from a depth perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, they always have somebody... Yeah. ready to go for the next person. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, they always have at least one lady ready to go where it's like, okay, EO beats this person, okay, now we've got this person. And the one time they did, person. they just had Charlotte cash in, so they just had... Right, exactly. Yeah, it's fine. Exactly. Right yeah, for a minute. <laughs> uh, and then our main event, we had Finn Balor beat Kyle O'Reilly in 28 minutes and 30 seconds. This is fantastic. Which is awesome. Fantastic. You know, I, I saw Jericho <laughs> made a comment where I was like, oh yeah, like, they just beat the crap out of each other for no purpose. I go, that's a bit yeah. extreme, I felt like, as we're watching you huff and puff against Dr. Luther in a tag match. Yeah. Like, maybe calm it down a little bit. But um, well, this match was fantastic. Kyle O'Reilly is, is, a, is a player for sure. We mm-hmm. see that now. Um, I'm interested to see where they go with the Undisputed Era now, especially because mm-hmm. uh, Ridge Holland got hurt because mm-hmm. that's what happened at the end. Cole was being carried and blah, 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 blah. Um, 
But yeah, I'm interested to see. I, I Once again, I'm still going to say it. And I'm going to keep saying it until it happens. They need to get called up. It's the reality of the situation right now. They need to get moved up. There's nothing left for these guys to do. They've all held every title. They've done everything. Cole's got every record in the book. Roddy's got a singles and a tag run. O'Reilly had a main event. You know, Fish and you know, them as a tag team are one of the best in the world. There's not a lot left mm-hmm. for Undisputed Era to do, which is unfortunate because they're the four, probably four of their top five or six guys they have on their roster right now that's not hurt. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, Cole's not doing anything, you mm-hmm. know? He really? Like, that's pretty crazy to me. Yeah. Actually, I think it does show how much deeper NXT has gotten. Oh, yeah. Because before you had, you know... Four, you had three Undisputed yeah, Era matches yeah, every night. Yeah. Yes, and every takeover. Yeah. And now, you know, the only one is Kyle O'Reilly, right. I guess. Where, where, you know, honestly, where, you could have put Thatcher in there, and you're like, okay, there's no era on this show at all, yeah. and I don't think anybody would have been like, wow. Yeah, you know, so I think it shows sure. how much deeper... And you don't even have, like, a Champa on the show either. Mm-hmm. That's, no uh, Champa, no Cross, because he's out right now. Yeah, yeah there was a lot so of There's a lot of people pieces. missing, and it still is a great card. So I think it shows the depth of what NXT has. Yeah, I, I think the problem NXT has, honestly, is the fact that I don't think they're... They don't have enough ammunition television wise to compete with AEW right now. No. Like AEW, you know, like everyone's like, oh AEW beat NXT against me. Like, okay, well Jericho's 30th anniversary you have a dog collar match on television. Mm-hmm. There's nothing NXT can do that's going to, to rival that. No. Honestly. It's just not. It's, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Since you read every takeover you can't yeah. stockpile right. two championship matches right after a takeover or whatever. Like exactly. you're kind of just screwed with what you got. Exactly. Right. You got a post you got a fallout show compared to like a big Show mm-hmm. that you've been producing. It's just not good. So, like, next week, too, with their one-year anniversary show. Yeah. NXT ain't touching that. It is what yeah. it is. Let's talk about this WWE draft here real fast and the show. Um, I've been very underwhelmed by the WWE draft. Um, Have you, you ever know. been whelmed by the WWE draft? That not, wasn't, like, no. 2002's No, draft. no, no, no. Like I, But I always enjoyed the ones, like, they did in, like, 07, 08, where it was, like, you know, a guy from Raw, a guy from SmackDown, they fight. Okay, the winner of that gets a pick, and then it was yeah. just like a doodly 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 doodly. Oh, look at that! Oh, they picked Rey Mysterio. Oh, that's cool, cool. Woo, all right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I enjoyed those because I felt like then it was like, it was like okay, you know, there was a little bit of mystery with it. You know, you didn't know who was gonna get the pick. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just oh, Raw gets three and SmackDown gets two, and we're like gonna lazily do this. Mm-hmm. And two, it was never. Like, you didn't announce people staying, I mm-hmm. guess, was the other thing, right? Like, they never put everybody into a pool and said, okay, well, anybody's up for grabs. And like everybody's up for grabs, but you didn't have to announce Triple H is staying on Raw. Mm-hmm. You just announced that John Cena's moving to SmackDown. And, like, yeah. the you know what I mean? If that makes any sense. Like, I did not need to see a draft pick of Roman Reigns is staying on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. He's already on SmackDown. I don't need that. Yeah. Same thing with Drew McIntyre. Oh, Drew McIntyre's staying on Raw. Okay. Cool. I didn't, you know, that's yeah. awesome. You could have just, you know, took the champions out of it if you wanted to, or or what, or whatever the the mm-hmm. case may be, right? So, I thought they were actually gonna switch. Them. I did too, honestly. That's for why a when they put the pool in, I was like, all right, so so Roman's gonna go Roman's to Raw, gonna now. go to Raw, and they're yeah. all right. Well, we need a world champion, so Drew McIntyre is gonna go to SmackDown, right? And they're just gonna make the Universal Title red again, or whatever. <laughs> Matches mine the whole yeah, yeah, I don't have to buy. Now. I don't have to buy the new one. Yeah, you only have to buy a new one now. <laughs> no, like you know, we've got. I think the two biggest fallouts coming from this, obviously, one Seth going over to SmackDown. I was so pissed when they drafted Mysterio over to SmackDown too. I was like, I really wanted this feud to end. Yeah, and now it's just this gonna go to he, SmackDown. Like, he tweeted out that he was like, oh, I'm not gonna be able to see him break up or whatever and then he just got drafted right over I was like oh so I'm just gonna yeah exactly. we're just gonna keep going the yeah, same so story. Gonna let's just on. go on Fridays now and so and then to the new day they win the tag titles immediately again which sure um, but then they break up Big E staying on Smackdown Kofi and Xavier going to Raw right now as of this moment we haven't seen the Raw side of this yet uh, it's a two night draft so we don't know if the Street Profits are moving to Smackdown now as the Raw tag team champions so right now Raw's got both sets of tag titles on their show um, but you know I think that's probably the other biggest thing how are you feeling about Big E's singles run I was not the first time they tried this after he was split off from Ziggler and he won the Intercontinental title. I was so not a fan of it mm. at all. Like I, I hated it quite frankly. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't. I'm, I'm still not necessarily in love with it now. I've just never. I, I've always thought Big E was a great tag team guy. I thought he was a great, you know, like hype man kind of thing. With the, I thought the New Day fit him really well. Um, but him getting pushed in a major singles way like that, I just, I'm, I don't, maybe it's just because they only did it and it didn't really work the first time. But I'm yeah, just maybe. not, I'm not really catching I mean, it. I, 
I'm okay with it, and yeah. I kind of thought the same with Kofi before Kofi won. Yeah. Like, I always just looked at Kofi as a good tag team, a mid-card dude, mm-hmm. and then when he wins the title, I was like, oh, wait, maybe he is bad. a world title. Right. It's not bad. So, yeah. maybe, I, I think I think Big E could grow on me with right. it, but I'm not, like, super... Yeah, like, some people are, like, in love with this thing. I'm like, I am like I, I guess. I get that he's a big dude. He's strong. Yeah. He's decent in the ring. That's fine. But, like, I, like, I'm just, like, at the same time, like, yeah, it's okay. You know, yeah. it's fine. Maybe it's just because they booked him with Sheamus and... Sheamus is boring as all get up. But Maybe, yeah. um, what do you want to see out of Monday night, though, from the draft? Like, I mean, like, because the Hurt business is already on Raw, so I'm assuming Sami Zayn then stays on SmackDown because Bobby Lashley's yeah, got the U.S. title. So, um, like, for me personally, the one thing I, I'm hoping that the, the world, the tag titles get unified then. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing I can think of because otherwise, like, what are they going to do? Trade belts? Like, we talked about that off air. It's like, Street Pop's like, hey, you got the blue ones. We're on SmackDown. You want to just. Swapsies, yeah. yeah. Let's just swapsies. Yeah, swapsies, <laughs> and then in the record book, it's like they swap titles yeah, on this yeah. day. Yeah, they were drafted, but their straps were wrong colored for the yeah. shows. They weren't color coordinated. Yeah, they weren't so color they... coordinated, so they had to switch them. <laughs> um, what I'm looking forward to. Um, <laughs> honestly, like somebody like I was really happy that Miz and Morrison got drafted to Raw. Mm-hmm. Like I was happy that they moved over because I was like, all right, cool. Like they're gonna get new stuff. We're gonna get some new stuff out of that yeah. out of that realm. Um, but is there something you want to see move to a different show just to kind of refresh some things? I would love to see uh, Aleister Black go to SmackDown. Yeah. And like as a shot in the dark because I think Aleister Black could be a really good mid-card guy. Yeah. And since they're not going to use him on Raw, try him on SmackDown. Yeah. And I think that's what the draft is. It's just like, all right, the guys that aren't working on Raw, yeah, let's move shift over to SmackDown right. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so I think guys like Aleister Black, Andrade, mm-hmm. um, all those guys, like the mid-card guys that were really yeah. good in NXT, that I'm like, you could, could right. be good, at least mid-card guys, if not world title people. Yes. Um, if they're not working on their brand, just shift them over. Right. So all yeah. of those guys. I'd love to I'm see Andrade for. get moved. Uh, Alex Black's another one. I'm glad AJ Or stay Raw and now. just do right. something with it. Yeah, that would help too, right? But like, I'm glad AJ moved to Raw, right? Yeah. Like, he's kind of done everything on SmackDown. He had the Intercontinental thing. Like, cool. All right, let's go here. I'd like to see Daniel Bryan get moved to Raw. I think that'd be extremely interesting, right? Him with McIntyre, right? I mean, you still have AJ there. You've got Kevin Owens, as of right now, is still on Raw. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Seth Rollins is gone. You know, I think The Fiend is probably going to get drafted to Raw mm-hmm. if I had to bet any sort of money. Because um, right now, you've got almost no main event talent on Raw, mm-hmm. like, at all. So <laughs> I think they need more of that yeah. on Raw right now. Um but yeah, I definitely hope the tag titles get unified though, because then we get new tag belts, and I'd be really excited about that. Or maybe so. they just carry the Raw and SmackDown one around. They did that for a minute when they did it the first time with. That's right. Yeah, and I was like. But no, because what happened is they just defend like if they yeah. go to SmackDown, they just spend the. the SmackDown well, because like one the women's tag, the women's tag, like I, that's why it was funny. Like you know, Shayna and Nia got drafted, and like oh they're staying on Raw, and I go okay, but they're the women's tag champs, so they're gonna float between all three shows anyway. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really matter, but okay. Um, so I don't know. That's just one thing I kind of hope to see happen. Just because the tag division is just so bleh right now. Mm-hmm. Like, the Street Profits have been tag champs for forever, and they haven't beat anybody besides Andrade and Angel Garza for, like, six months. Yeah. Like, that's why I'm hoping that Miz and Morrison going over there maybe can, like, rejuvenate some of that, because I still love Miz and Morrison as a tag team. Mm-hmm. I have become a bigger fan of The Miz in, like, the last, like, two years than I ever thought I would be. Just because I'm like, you know what? I appreciate the fact that he turns chicken salad from chicken crap every time he touches something. So I yeah. can appreciate that. So, all right, that's going to be it for this week's show. Next week, we'll prepare for more Lions and all that good stuff. We'll be talking the end of the NBA Finals one way or the other. Either Mike's going to be super duper happy or I'm going to laugh so hard. One of the two. Um, more than likely, Mike will be really happy. So that will be fun. Um, as, as we prepare for episode 100 coming up here, I'm really excited for it, Mike. Um, you got anything else for this week's show? Yeah, bullets. Uh, maybe Michigan football since maybe. we got yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like we'll that. definitely preview Michigan football to start the show as well. Or so in state, I guess too. Sure. <laughs> Everybody looking at us like, you guys are such homers. Uh, All right, that's going to be it for this week's show, though. For the Missing Whale Man, he's the Merc Zone. I'm the Mouth of Michigan, and we will see you guys, as always, next time.